Amen. Thank you, Samantha. That may be just for me. Bless my heart. Uh, I am so blessed to be able to be here and to serve as your pastor. Uh, You're loving people, and I'm grateful for you. This morning, I, I want to talk about the, the question, what do you see? We've been seeking to identify Jesus. Who's Jesus? And we're going to look uh, at a short passage here in Mark chapter 8 and bounce around some of the book of Luke as well. But to turn with me to Mark 8, we're going to look at verses 22 through 26. We'll ask when you find that to stand in God's honor. So I read from His precious Word. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, Don't go into the village. Let's pray. What do you see? Oh Lord, you ask us that question. You want to touch us. You want to open our eyes. You want us to see God. You want us to see clearly. And Father, I pray this morning that as we look at this account and as we think of our Lord God, may you open our eyes, the eyes of our hearts as well as the eyes that we use to look through, God. I pray that we might catch a glimpse of you, a clear view, God. I ask, Father, that there might be a flow to this message, God, that just shows you're working. I ask that there might be a freedom, God, that I may be able to speak far beyond my ability to do. And, Father, that there might be an obvious fire, God, that shows, Lord, that you're with us. God, we obviously need to hear from you. We always do. Speak to our hearts, God, as we seek to see you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, there's a difference between being a disciple and becoming a believer, entering the kingdom of God. In just a moment, it's a miracle of a moment, we enter into new birth. Peter, in his letter, his first letter, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the last time that Jesus Christ is revealed. New birth. I mean, it just happens at that moment. You don't earn it. You you don't do anything to to gain it rather than just say, Lord, I need it. You open your heart and you open yourself to Him and He comes and He, He changes you. He transforms you. 
you know, during that time of new birth, the baby doesn't sit there and say, you know, I think I'm going to stay here another couple of days. Do you mind if I just kind of hang out in the womb? I'm kind of used to it in here. I don't want to face that bright light out there. It doesn't work like that. At the time the baby comes, he enters and he's in the world new. Things change. So it is when we come to Christ that becoming a disciple, it begins with that new birth, but that's not where it ends. He wants us to walk close to Him. He wants us to experience Him. He, he wants us to grow in His truth and His grace and His knowledge. The Bible says that if we want to save our lives, we must lose our lives for His sake. And that's tough. It's a part of life. Seeking Him, growing in Him. It, it takes energy, takes time, takes takes work. Now, uh, James Garfield, before he became president of the United States, was president of a university. And uh, one of the guys that had a lot of money decided he wanted his son to get through on the fastest track possible so he could get that school stuff over with and make make the money. So he went to Garfield and he said, Look, he said, I need to know, is there some kind of special fast track so I can get my kid out of here before that four-year span because he needs to get this over and get out there and start making the big money. Garfield said, Yes, sir. There's always a way to do what you want to do. He said, It just depends on what you want accomplished. He said, You know, when God wants to make an oak tree, He takes a hundred years. When He wants to make a squash, He takes two months. So what do we want to be? Do we want to be a squash? Or do we want to be an oak? Do we want to be strong in the Lord? Or do we want to be weak? What do we want God to do? Uh, Look in Luke with me. Luke chapter 4. We discover Jesus as He starts off in His ministry. He heads back to His hometown. Tough place to be. Everybody watches you grow up. Everybody has their questions. He goes up to the temple in Nazareth on the Sabbath. And he speaks. He unrolls the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he reads these words. The Spirit of the Lord's on me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the tenant, and sat down. It says the eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. He said he came to open the eyes of the blind to give recovery of sight. They looked at him as you go down through the scriptures and they said, now wait a minute, isn't this Joseph's boy, you know, the carpenter? The guy that's got the sign all over town, no job's too small, you know, called Joseph. Isn't he the guy that we saw every day? I mean, he's, he's one of us. And what's he saying here? He's saying he's one that's come to restore sight to the blind, to, to relieve the oppressed. Basically, he's saying, I'm the promised one. I'm the Messiah. 
As you go on through Luke, you discover how Jesus worked, how He touched lives, how He brought healing, how He opened eyes. Then you read about Him later on in Luke 18 as He comes confronted with a guy named a blind man who He heals Verse 42, it says, Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. As you look through the Scriptures, there were times where Jesus would talk to his disciples and he would tell them the truth and they were just thick in the head and they didn't get it, didn't make sense. And there were times he'd get frustrated and he'd say, Guys, don't you understand? Can't you see who I am? But they couldn't see. They didn't get it. They'd miss it. And all through here, although they roomed and they roamed with a master, although they were beside him, they missed much of what he had to say. They missed most of his heart. They they were blind. Their eyes had to be open. Then there was a time the feeding of the five thousand, where they all came and and God would work in this miraculous way through just a few fish couple loaves of bread. And He would multiply to feed the thousands that were there, that were hungry. And then they got on a boat and they started to head out to the other side to get away, to take a break. And Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the disciples were still thick in the head. said, What? Bread? What are you talking about? What do you need bread for? Jesus like, No, guys, you're still missing it. You don't get it. Your heart, your eyes aren't opened as they need to be. And then it's interesting as we come here back to Mark chapter 8 as we find this guy with this miracle. Jesus is still in the business. He wants to open eyes. He wants us to see. That's his heart. And we find this guy here who comes to him blind. Some people brought him begging Jesus to touch Him. Good friends to have. Friends that are willing to come with Jesus and bring Him. Jesus, I love this. He didn't want the applause. He didn't want all the attention of the crowds. It says He took Him by the hand and He led Him outside the village away from all the hoopla. And then He began to attend to this guy. It says, when he had spit on the man's eyes, put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? Jesus took a part of him and he touched the man's eyes. You know, it's interesting. Kids know early on that there's some kind of healing property in saliva. You know, they cut their finger. What do they do? Right? There's something instinctive within each of us that, that, that will soothe, that, that will bring comfort. And Jesus is the comforter. He, he comes and He touches this guy's eyes with His own healing property, a part of Himself that touches this guy's. And, and I want you, you know, it's interesting here. This is the only miracle that I can detect that Jesus performed that wasn't instantaneous. You know, other times when somebody needed to be healed, Jesus would touch them, He would heal them, and it 
Happened immediately. Not here though. Not here. He puts his hands on him and he asks, do you see anything? And the guy looks up and says, I see people, they look like trees walking around. So at first he looks up and he sees, but not clearly. He says he sees people, they look like trees walking around. So Which leads me to believe that possibly he had been able to see at one point in his life. Something happened to him. I don't know what that caused him to lose his vision. Now he's without vision. Now Jesus touches him and he can see, but he can't see clearly. And I'm afraid there's a lot of us like that. In the body of Christ, we come into the kingdom. We're, we're born new, this new birth. We're, we're made His kids, but we don't see clearly. We don't really see God's heart for us, His purpose for us, what He wants us to do, who He wants us to be. Who we are in Him. We don't see clearly. Everything's a blur. Everything's fuzzy. And so it is here with this guy. He's touched once, but it's still blurry. But I think it's interesting here. You thought about this. There comes a second touch. Notice it says in the text here, Once more, Jesus put His hands on the man's eyes. And guys, I am so grateful for the second touch of Jesus. We are all, my sister likes to say we're all wounded kids. And in one sense, there's a lot of truths of that. If you're alive long enough, you get hurt. Because this world, there's sin. And people are broken. And we, if we had time, we could go through here and you guys could all tell me your story of how you've been hurt, how you've been broken, how you've been wounded. But the good news is that while we are here, that there's a second touch that's available through our pain, that Jesus is able to touch us and to restore us and to renew us and to give us strength. You know, as it says in Isaiah 40.31, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles and run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. God, He provides that with the second touch that He gives. So He touched this guy's eyes and his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. What a blessing uh, that is. Now he's able to see the touch. We're all in such need of that touch of grace. We need to be reminded of what we have in Jesus Christ. What's interesting is many of us come into the kingdom of Christ and then we begin to live in our own strength. We forget whose we are. We forget our Lord. And we get all messed up. And we need to be reminded of His grace. I read this week of a, of a boy that he kept skipping school and his parents didn't know what to do to get his attention. And uh, finally, uh, they called him, they brought him home. After so many times, they had come up with a plan. boy came in the house, his mom wouldn't speak to him. Came in, he was very uncomfortable, he didn't know what to do. Then his dad came home later, didn't say anything to him. This went on for a couple of hours, finally it was time for dinner. They came down, sat down to eat, the three of them. Mom and Dad had a full plate of food and all he had was a slice of bread and a glass of water. 
He said, uh-oh, I'm in prison. <laughs> he said, his dad sat down across from him, didn't say a word to him, just looked at him. And then he took his full plate and exchanged it for his son's slice of bread and water and gave him his plate of food and drink. He said, 20 years later, he looks back and says, you know, that was when I learned what God's like. We need to know that, guys. That our Heavenly Father, He doesn't want to beat us down. He wants to restore us. He wants us to see. He wants us to see clearly that He loves us. That He's not out to get us, but He wants to set us free. He wants us to know that He cares about us. That He has a plan for us. He wants us to walk in His ways because that's the only safe place to be. That's our God. That's how He works. Now, this scene clearly is important stuff, so I want to spend a couple of minutes just looking at some areas where we need to see clearly. First deals with priorities. Man, our priorities get so screwed up. If we're going to see clearly, our priorities have to be clear. There was this couple that loved Broadway and they wanted to see My Fair Lady and so they actually planned a year in advance to get tickets to go to see My Fair Lady and to plan a vacation and they they planned everything around being, being able to see the show. And so they got there at the show when the time came and the place was packed except uh, the woman sitting next to them, seat by her was empty. And he couldn't believe it. He said, you know, I've, I've worked a year to get these tickets and there's an empty seat right here? What's this all about? So he got to talking to her and he said, you know, we, we worked really hard in a long time, flew up here to see this play. I can't believe there's an empty seat beside you. And she said, well, that's my husband's empty seat. And said, uh, he, he died and so he's not here. And said, well, these seats are expensive. You could, you could have brought a friend, someone to be with you. She said, well, yeah. She said, I could have, but they're all at the funeral. She needed to get her priorities right. You guys caught that. Isn't that nuts? But sometimes aren't we nuts? Sometimes even the death of a loved one doesn't shake us up enough. What's it going to take to really shake us up so that we see clearly priority-wise? Secondly, do we see clearly in how we give? You know, God has been so generous to us. How generous are we to Him? I heard a speaker say one time, you know, we're to give 10% of what we have to the Lord. If God decided to give to us in accordance to how we give to Him, could you live on 90% of the 10% you gave today? What would it buy? How generous are you to God? I've been listening to some John Maxwell tapes I've had. It's really funny. I've had these things three or four years. I went through a phase where I got, he had this tape club for a couple of years and the last four or five of them I didn't even open. They were sitting in my office. I said, this is ridiculous. I need to listen to these things. At some point, I bought these things. So I started listening, uh, opened one up and listened to it. He talked about years ago being at uh, this one church and God was doing some good things in the church, but there was one guy in the church that gave like 40% of the money in the church. He was rich, and uh, he, he had a big hand on the budget. 
And so he started getting upset with some of the stuff that was going on in church. And so he came up to John and he said, Pastor, he said, if you don't stop this stuff, I'm going to start withholding my tithe. He said, I don't like it. He said, I don't, I don't think we should do this. And John said, well, let's, let's pray. He says, let's get on our knees and pray. And he said, okay. So they got on their knees and he said, uh, I want, John said, I want you to repeat after me. He said, God, I have decided to rob you. He goes, God, wait a minute! He said, no, that's not what I'm doing. He said, well, that's what you just told me. Because the money that you're giving is not my money. It doesn't belong to anyone here in the church. It's God's money. So you just told me you want to rob God. He said, you know, they ended up becoming the best of friends. And he continued to give, but God got a hold of his heart. Where's your heart in giving? It's not a matter of a certain amount. Matter of fact, when the Bible talks about 10%, that's really kind of a place to begin. But the principle in the New Testament is in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Have you decided in your heart what God wants you to give? Or do you just, well, what I have in my pocket, I'll throw it in the offering plate. Have you made a conscious decision? Okay, God, this is how generous you are to me. How generous do you want me to be? Because of that, that's the challenge. That's the challenge. Third, do others see you differently than you really are? Do others see you differently than you really are? Uh, back in the late 40s, somewhere around 1950, they were going to start a new football, professional football league. So there was a lot of talk. And they called this one guy in to speak. His name was uh, Nicky Hilton. And, uh, man, he came in to speak. Everybody was all excited. This guy was a big name, and they were all pumped up. And when he was introduced, they said that Nicky had made $100,000 in baseball in Los Angeles. Well, he came in, and uh, once he got up to speak, once applause stopped, he said, I need to make a few corrections. It was not me, but my brother. It wasn't in Los Angeles, it was in San Diego. It wasn't baseball, it was football. It wasn't a hundred thousand dollars, it was a million dollars. And my brother didn't make it, he lost it. You know, are you what you appear to be? Or are you different? I mean, we can all play the church game. But we're not called to play church. We're called to be the church. God sees it. I maybe I, I I can't, but He does. He spots and He can see clearly what we're really like. He knows it all. He knows whether you're the real deal or not. He knows if you're the real or if you're just a pew tender. He knows. And in all honesty. He's the one that we all have to deal with. I don't go up to heaven and say, Lord, here's my list about my church family. Here's what's wrong with them. He doesn't do that. 
When I stand before Him, it's all about me and Him. Nobody else. What do others see? Is it accurate? Uh, Haddon Robinson told a story about two guys in Texas that were robbers. Uh, one of them wore a mask and the other one didn't. Of course, they both got caught. And when they stood before the judge, the guy that didn't wear a mask said, well, well, judge, all I can say is at least I'm not a hypocrite. He said, when I went to rob that bank, man, everybody could see my face. They knew who I was. They knew what I was doing. I didn't try to hide anything. I think that should count for something in leniency. The judge sentenced both of them to life in prison. didn't matter that he didn't wear a mask. Whether or not you and I wear a mask, God sees. The penalty is the same. Either you've been born from above and you're His kid or you're not. There's no in-between. Do you belong to Christ? Have you trusted Him? Are you real? Is it time for a change? Does God want to do a work in you? This morning, we have an altar that's open to, to come and to pray or to come and make a decision with God. The reason we have you come down, it, it really, I think, cements it when you come before God's people and pray and share and say, you know, God's done a work in my heart and I want to be accountable. I think it's real and I want you to know about it so you can help me and so that we can help each other. So if God's spoken to your heart, the challenge is to come, to come to pray, to come to the front, to say this is what God's doing in my life. And uh, it may be to say, God, I want to become your kid for the first time. I've never asked for forgiveness. I'm the wounded child that's still not seeing clear, and I want to see clear, God. Get a hold of me, forgive me, change me. However God's working, uh, let's just respond to Him. Let's pray. God, it's really good to... Be here this morning. We want to see clearly, God. We don't want to live in a blur. We want to see you. Father, it's easy to play the game. But you know, God, you know us. Help us to be honest with you this morning. Jesus is what do you see now. God, if we could just look inside with eyes closed and be able to look deep inside of ourselves, God. Can we be honest and just ask the question, what do I see? And and does that need to change? God, may you just have the freedom by your Holy Spirit to make any change that you want you want to happen, God. We just want You to be glorified and honored in our lives because we know that that's what matters. So we come to You, Lord. We plead with You. We beg with You, God. Don't let us leave here without honestly doing business with You, whatever that involves. God, we want You to work because otherwise we're going to just end up hurt. You're the healer. And so, Lord, have your way this morning. We trust you, and we want to see your work, God. In your name we pray. Amen. God's called you where you come.